Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the From the Stands podcast. I am Ian, joined as always by my big brother, Sean. Uh, we're, we're here to talk to you about a bunch of things in the world of sports this week. Mainly, though, is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Sean, how are you doing? In one sentence, tell the listeners how you're feeling. Pain, Ian. I'm feeling pain. I did not think this through. When we start a sports podcast, we're going to talk about our favorite teams. I didn't think about the next day post-mortem podcast. And I know it's going to come for both of us, right? Like, you're going to have it with the Raptors. You're obviously feeling it as well with the Leafs. You know, I still got this freaking hat on, too. That's coming off. It's, um, it's a tough day. It's a tough day. Uh, we Not only did we lose and not make the playoffs, which is a custom for the Toronto Maple Leafs, but we also didn't get the first overall pick, which why would we? So lots of questions, lots of questions that need answers, Ian. Well, I think the best part for us to dive into is let's start with, let's start with what happened. So Let's dive into what the series actually looked like. And why don't you tell everybody what happened? Why did this end the way it did? And what led us to that point? Because this team's a joke. It's not a good team. It's as as simple as that. Like, they are the joke. They are the joke in hockey. And I'm going to go through a laundry list of things that make them that. But they are a bad team. They're a bad team. They have really good players, but they're a bad team. There's no other way to put it. You look up and down their roster. I like that guy. I like that guy. Really like that guy. Ooh, that guy is really good. He does things. He does things. Now, to be fair, is any part of that Leafs fan goggles? Because this city has, has an insane, insane, insane infatuation with its own players and overrates them in a way that that the rest of the the sports world could never even understand. So is that part of it? Yeah. Because how many Uh, good players do they really have? Well, no, but again, I I think the line between good and great gets faded a lot. I think that they have three great players. I think that they have two very good players. And then I think they have the rest of them for the most part are pretty good. Like and again, this is all relative to NHL. Like all these guys in the NHL, even the Martin Marincians, are incredible at hockey. Like let's just put that aside. But again, you judge against your peers. I do think that there's an overreaction to that. I know that it happens in basically every sport except basketball. Like the basketball thing is because they're such a little brother to the United States uh, counterparts. It doesn't really happen that way. It's because they're not boosted by this massive, massive amount of press and market, you know, I I just, I think that if you just dissect the team down to its individual pieces, I think that there's a lot of pieces on this team that you'd be happy to have on, on your roster. But as a whole, as a collective, they are a joke. They're a joke. You know, they lost in five to Columbus. So for people who don't know, um, probably listen to the wrong podcast, but they lost in five. Uh, played an extremely boring game one uh, and lost. Got shut out. They played an absolutely dominant game two and won. Blew a three-goal lead 
where they were playing very well in game three, had a miraculous, miraculous comeback in game four. And then last night, like, yeah, they, they're driving they're driving the play. They have more, the most expected goals in the series, the better possession stats, X, Y, and Z. Columbus doesn't care about that. Columbus does what Columbus does. Columbus has two, two strong side four checkers. They play a one, two, two in transition and they clog the middle in the defensive zone and they don't let you do anything. They, so yeah, it's just, Ian, to answer so, your initial question, it's it's very frustrating. And, and I, so I, before, I know before you jump to the coaching schemes and how we, got I, there, I know we're going to get into all this. I want your thoughts. No, but I think, I think it's important to, I think it's important to, to take a look back and say, you know, is the team good enough to win a Stanley cup? No, no. But are they better than Columbus? Probably. Probably. I mean, you know, I, I, I think it's close. I, I mean, I, I think, close. I think to say they don't, I think to say that they're not a good team or they don't have good players, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think that's a little bit of a cop out. I think, you know, I, I, I do think that obviously this is a roster construction issue. I think that it is a, it is a, um, it's an approach issue. It is a mentality issue. It's an, it's an identity issue. Um, and unfortunately, you know, unfortunately that, that, that sort of rests on everyone involved. Um, but to say, you know, you know, they're not necessarily good, good enough. I mean, maybe not good enough to be Boston, but they're good enough to be Columbus. They just didn't. I, I know they, they ended up with the they ended up with the exact same amount of points as Columbus in the exact same amount of games. They just did it in two completely different fashions. One team had a coach last year that was playing Patrick Marlowe over Austin Matthews and a doer died game seven in the last two minutes of the hockey game. They proceeded when we were down, when they were down, when they were down, when they proceeded even before that to have a stranglehold on the series and do nothing with it. They then. This coach then is incapable of change, incapable of trying to get creative, incapable of trying to coach the way that this roster needed to play, or so we thought, and doesn't see eye to eye with the GM. What happens? The GM goes in the offseason, goes to Brandon Shanahan and says, I want Mike Babcock fired. Brandon Shanahan says, no, we're keeping him. We're going we're gonna to ride this out. So there's step number one to being an absolute joke organization. They then sign Jason Spezza. To a league minimum deal where he left money on the table to come home, to come home, to play for his hometown team to try and win a Stanley Cup. He then gets proceeded to be benched at the home opener. They then go through and it's like, yeah, well, we're terrible right now. So let's fire Mike Babcock because that wasn't, that wasn't, you know, something that should have happened four months, six months earlier. They trade, they have the cadre trade, which by the way, hand up. I was wrong. Okay. I was wrong. And I thought the best player in the deal was Tyson Berry. <laughs> wow, was that not true? Ian, they had Michael Hutchison. Do you remember the Hutch problem? I know it's 10 months ago. The guy didn't win a hockey game for three months. And all these back-to-backs and losing every single one. They lost to a Zamboni driver. They lost to a Zamboni driver. They go on a California West, uh, California West Coast trip. Ian, who are the three teams in California right now? Anaheim. Los Angeles, San Jose. And what do they all have in common? They're all hot garbage. They are terrible. What do you think the Leafs did? Lost all three games. Lost all three games. One point out of six. 
I, was so I expect before was I expecting, before before you go before you go? I like my dessert first. So let's have some blame pie. Sure. If you are blaming members of the organization for the failure, yep. Which people get a slice of pie, and how big is that slice of pie? Brandon Shanahan gets the first slice of pie. How big is the slice of pie? I don't know how big is this cake. Like it, it starts. Uh, the if the cake is a hundred percent, what percentage of that cake does Brendan Shanahan get? I'm not, I'm not comfortable putting that out there. You know, players still got to play. Oh you no, it's play pie. Why did ability. I say cake? It's pie. Cake's better than pie. Cake's better than pie. Um, I don't. He's he's driving the ship, man. He's driving the ship. This is your team. You got your guy in Dubas, right? Which. I know I got my glasses on and I've been I've been a Dubas apologist. I've been a defender of his. I know you have two, mostly to bother our dad. But I've been a, I was a Dubas defender. I defended the move from Lou. A lot of the moves I've liked in the moment, but Shanahan's the head of this ship. And this team hasn't done diddly. Nothing. Four straight first round exits and then now a missed playoffs. They missed the playoffs. This this wasn't the playoffs, um, you know. It's and, and Dubis like, again. Uh, he deserves a lot of this blame. The moves did not work. He took too long to uh, accept that Michael Hutchison was not working on this team. He made the Kadri deal. He made that CC deal to get off of Zaitsev's money. He took this summer to fix the 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 mess that Lou left. Lou did a lot of good stuff. But that Marlowe three-year deal and that trade, what a travesty. But he did that to fix that, to open up some cap space. And he never thought this pick would finish 13th. Guess what it did? It did. So, so while we're handing Dubas's blame pie, while we're handing Dubas's blame pie, I think it's important to sort of understand why Dubas is getting this piece of pie. And sure. I, think, I think obviously the Tyson Berry thing went horrible. Tyson Berry, to me, is the worst defenseman I've ever seen wear a Maple Leaf shirt, period, end of story. He is horrifically bad, okay? So that went horrible. So the worst thing they could do now is double down on that mistake and pay Barry, which I don't see happening. So he gets, bl- he gets blamed for that. He gets blamed for the Marlowe trade, although he inherited that cap problem. Yes. Okay? He inherited that cap problem. But when the goal is to clear up cap, they cleared up cap for what CC cap or CC Kerfoot? No, they they yeah and for like cap cap and Janssen. That's what they cleared it up for. That so to me that is the bigger problem. It's not that they get got off Marlowe. They needed to do that anyway. The the big problem is what they use that cap space for. Now, if they would use that cap space to take on extra money on uh, you know a someone so on a defenseman who could bring you some real teeth i understand i could live with the 13th pick being gone if that cap space was used in the right way but it was used to bring in guys that are just redundant on one another and and again he gets he gets blamed for that and i think yes. that matters and i think you know when you're building and he gets blamed for this too when you're building a roster why are you building a roster that's full of redundancies Janssen, Kapanen, Kerfoot, they're all the same player. 
They can't well, really create their own. No, I, I mean, they can't, broadly, they can't, dri- they can't drive a line. They're not, they can't, I, they're not, I know. They can't create, create their own offense. They can't, they're not, they're not winning drivers. They're nice role players. And when you have 11 million, 11 million, 11 million, okay. When you have that, you can't waste the three, three and a half, three point no, four. They got to be money. Got. Those contracts, they have to be. You have to find value somewhere. Dubis gets blamed for that. And at some point, look, I thought Lou at the end was hopeless. I thought he was hopeless. I think this Islanders thing is so trots driven. It's all in spite of what Lou's done. That's a conversation for another day. But Dubis now, this is his show. So either it's fixed or it isn't. You cannot have four forwards making $40 million and they're not scoring five on five. Okay. The, the Marner contract, this is another one. This is why you're getting blamed. This is why you're getting a big piece of pie. The Marner contract is horrific. It is horrible. Now, is Marner an extremely gifted playmaker, player? Do I love the guy? Yes. Okay. 11 million for a winger who does not score. That's just not good enough. Not good enough. And while we're talking about wingers who don't score, how about William Nylander? Another ghost. And I'm gonna, at some point, this matters. I'm going to be f- more fair here. And uh, I, I want to get your thoughts on... So I, I want you to kind of consider this as if someone's head needs to roll here. Um, so, I, so I want that. But before I get that answer, two things. They're paying their, their third line $10 million. $10 million paying their third line. And it, it was awful in this series. I, I get it. I, I know. Janssen didn't play. He was hurt all year. Everyone gets hurt. It's hockey. That's what happens. And so whoever you plug in there, Mikheyev, whatever, it doesn't matter. What's supposed to be their third line, they're paying $10 million to. They got zero secondary scoring in this series. I'm no. going to give Willie a bit of a break here. Um, I thought he... I thought that Keith. And I know we're going to talk about coaching in a minute here. I thought Keefe really put him in an unfair position in game five, throw him with two players that traditionally just are not line drivers at all in Hyman and Kapanen. We've seen that experiment before with Austin fricking Matthews and it didn't go well. So Nylander hasn't played center all year, right? He played a little bit last year. He is, he scored 31 goals this year as, as a winger and so at least he does score. He got two goals in this series. Mitch Marner doesn't have a – he has, I think, one five-on-five point, one primary point in two playoff series, in a play-in series in the last year's playoffs. He was great uh, three years ago, it would be. So 2018, he was great then. But this is becoming a thing. You're playing with Austin Matthews, and you don't Get have a primary puck, point? Like – it's a problem. I, I know he kills penalties, but you, I, I made the point to you last night. He's the second highest paid winger in the entire NHL and he does his core goals. You, that's well, not and, the way and, this thing works. Well, and again, back to the, you know, back to the pie we're divvying out. That has to go on the players too. You know, I've seen a popular 100%. thing right now where, you know, it's like, you know, hashtag fire Dubas. And, you know, maybe that's true. Maybe it isn't. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't really know. But one thing I will say is that at some point, these guys went negotiated hard for this money. And I'm all for everyone getting their money. Everyone knows that. Get paid. Okay. Yep. But some at some point, 
you need to be an adult and you need to be accountable. And John Tavares sits up there, takes his lumps, is accountable, was accountable after his game, his horrendous game one performance and yep. came back, was dominant the rest of the way. Yep. The, the, the Marner, Nylander, that group, those players are not accountable for when they don't perform. And at some point, if I'm paying a let, you know, if I'm paying $18 million to two wingers at some point, it's up to you to perform because while I didn't have to give you the money I did because I believe in you. So stop making me look stupid and perform. And, and you, again, and you did it to I the detriment did, of your, they did it to the detriment of their team. Marner well, dragged they, it right to training did. camp. Nylander missed half a season, half the year. And I think, and again, look, the Nylander thing, sure. He scores goals, but at what point, at what point is this effort driven? If I am another player or I'm a coach and I see you out there floating around, hair flowing in the wind, like you're on a Sunday skate, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. And, you know, in a vacuum, you say 31 goals for 7 million. That's great value. Well, it isn't great value when you're out there not doing anything and floating no, I'm, around. I know. I'm At with some you. point, some point, the players need to be accountable. And they just haven't. And and by the way, that is a culture and identity was, issue. It is a exactly, culture identity issue. Exactly. And by the way, that's the shit that Babcock was supposed to fix and didn't. It's that's carried right on with Keith. These kids act like silver spoon kids who are not accountable for when they don't perform. And that is an identity and a culture issue. And at some point, if you really want to win something, you're gonna need to bring in some some veterans who can actually play, not the Hainsey Marlowe types, veterans who can actually play to set the to set that Adults. example. Because I'll Adults. tell you one thing right now. When the Raptors brought in Kawhi Leonard last year, that entire organization changed. And it didn't change just because Kawhi is a generational player. It changed because first round series or marquee matchups on primetime didn't mean dick. What mattered was that when you the only thing that matters is when you lift that trophy. And after game four, you sent us the video from the Maple Leafs Instagram page of yep. Nylander and Kapanen celebrating like they won the cup. And that's exactly why they lost the next game. That's exactly why this roster isn't going anywhere. At some point, that culture, and Shanahan talks about it all the time, at some point, that needs to matter. So does anyone has, anyone's head roll for you? Um, I think you could make an argument that everyone in a, in a senior management or coaching position could be fired. You could talk me into firing Keith. You could talk me into firing Dubas. You could talk me into firing Shanahan. To me, to me, this is a roster construction issue. So you need to move Nylander or Marner. Those are the heads that should roll. You need to move one of those guys and fix the back end. And if we start to get the feeling that you can't do that, then it's time for all of you to go. Yeah, and it's not just the back end. Because to me... The, the only guys that do not get touched are Riley. You know, obviously some of your young guys, Lilligren, Sandine, we don't know yet. Um, but it's Riley, Matthews, and Tavares. Everyone else, got to go. So I think that if anyone's had roles for me, and they're not going to do this. They're just not. They're not going to base decisions off of, off of this playing series. That's what they're going to spin it to the media. But guess what? It's not, all year. It's, it's not playing. It's not playing. This team has had expectations for two years. 
Two years they've had expectations. What have they done with it? I use the word again. Diddly. Three. Three. Really. That second year. Yeah, I get it. I get it was early, but still, there was expectations that that they could win. 2019 should win. This year, cup contender. That's that was supposed to be the progression. Guess what happened? It didn't happen. And they're regressing now. They're regressing. They are. And and that's with their best players getting better outside of Tavares. So their best players getting better. So, well, the guy we also haven't brought up yet is Frederick Anderson. At some point, at some point, his performances in clinching games needs to be become less of a thing. He needs to now. The first goal, no chance. But that second one, that deflates that deflates a, a, a team. Same thing he did last year against Boston. At some point, that is going to need to be addressed. And with one year left on his contract. I would strongly consider going the two-headed monster goalie approach that we see in Columbus, seen in St. Louis, see with Vegas. At some Dif- point, I think yeah. that's a good way to go because you save some money that way too. Dif- difficult to do without the draft and without development. So they have Joseph Wall and one other kid coming up um, that I know they like. They haven't really panned out. I can't remember the other kid's name. My apologies. Uh, I can probably get it here, but he was... He was hurt all year. Uh, Ian Scott was the other guy. Um, you know, Freddie's Freddie's a tough one for me. Uh, he he objectively did not have a good year. His numbers were bad, and I know that he's had he's he's a streaky goalie. Like that's kind of that's kind of what he is. He hasn't got it done. Um, I actually thought last year in the Boston series for, through the first five games, I thought he was excellent. Um, I thought that he was above average this series. But there's just a couple goals, like even in that game three, like a couple that just can't go in. I know, and I was talking to someone today, and, and they put it really well. It's like he makes the hard things look easy, but makes the easy things look hard. And I really think that second goal yesterday was like a complete, just just a microcosm of everything that this Leafs team is. He's he's yeah. pot van ish. He's pot van. I, I use that. Way. I use that same that same logic. It, it wasn't just that Freddie, it was just like a combination of everything about the Leafs being stupid and being a joke is he lets in a goal from the corner, but also it's like the worst line change since Brad Marchand in the playoffs last year and Martin Marincin, and I'm stealing a line from our friend, Steve Dangle is holding L1 in front of the net and not moving, right? Like NHL 20, just pushing buttons, not knowing what to do. And yeah, it was a bad goal, but the entire team was bad on that play. Um, I'd like to I'd like to graduate a little bit here because I know there's a few other things we want to get to. This is our biggest topic, and and I don't and I'm not going to rush it. Keith uh, Keith was out coached, and um, I don't think I, I, he's not going to get fired. Uh, I, I'm not, and I wouldn't advocate that he does. But his game plan, like guys, you're an NHL coach with some pretty good weapons up front. Um, maybe he figures this out. You know, try some shit, you know, and he did like he tried with the lines. I hated what he did in game five, putting the big line together completely goes against everything that, that the Maple Leafs have from a strength perspective, the, what the Maple Leafs do from a strength perspective. And I talked about this in our prediction podcast that Columbus can counteract it pretty well because they have four very good defensemen in their own zone, right? Like obviously they want Jones and Wawrinski against Matthews as much as possible, but then you got to deal with like with the Tavares Nylander duo. And that I think is their was their biggest strength, and he completely took that out of play, and it just showed that the rest of the roster 
as you like them as individuals, can't get it done. And so uh, it's just, that, that's the one thing for me. Dubas to me, he's at least shown a willingness to try, but his mentality is, is very much ingrained. Uh, I'm interested to see what changes this offseason that he makes. I agree. They're already at 77 million at the cap right now um, with still some holes to fill, right? Clifford, Spezza, CC, Barry, they're all UFAs. My guess is only Spezza comes back if that. They got to deal with uh, Mikheyev. They got to deal with Dermot. My guess is they let Malgan walk uh, and go probably to a two-way contract or something. I don't know how that would work. Well, the, the thing about Clifford, though, I mean, here's the thing. Sure, Clifford can, will walk in free agency, but how much is that guy really going to get? I mean, look, he was brought in for toughness, and I mean, sure. But yeah, it's one wants. guy. And he literally changed what I thought. I thought he changed the series in game two when he ended uh, Kukin's life in game two. Everyone then just got this like jolt of energy and like that's what he was going to bring. Kind of like that Kadri-esque type of, of mentality. Like when Kadri against Washington hit Brooks Orpik twice and Matthews went down and scored, completely changed the complexion of that series. It's just they have a lot of decision-making. And, and you know what? I guess for the first time ever, I'm asking myself if I want Kyle Dubas to be the one at the steering wheel at such an important part of the team. And to well, me, here's, as a fan, here's the thing. Fans, people on the internet, all that other stuff are so quick to say, fire this guy, fire that guy, cut this guy, trade this guy. Okay, cool. Who would bring? you like to replace yeah. that person with? Because look, should they should they have been dangling Mitch Marner all season for defensemen? Yes, and if they weren't, then that's honestly general manager malpractice. They're not. They weren't. You know, there's no chance they were. But well, then that's general manager malpractice, or at the very least, you should have been dangling Nylander. Okay, and if they, they didn't want to do that, I, I fine. But if you want these guys canned for all the all the mistakes that have been made, including that. Who are you going to bring in? So if you are going to fire Keith, are you bringing in Gerard Gallant? You know, are you, is that if you're firing Dubis, are you bringing in Dale Talon? You're absolutely not doing that. <laughs> you're absolutely not doing that. I know. I know. I think, I think Talon's, you know, side note, Dale Talon's been the worst general manager in hockey for the last decade. Um, and all you need to do is look at that Florida situation and you can tell. Except um, when he's winning cups. The one thing I'll say, though, is... Who are you going to bring in there? Because again, you know, it's almost this, this hire because of how tricky the situation is with the stars and, you know, how soft and sensitive they can be. And I don't, and I don't mean that in a, in a derogatory sense. I mean it in like a Matthews and Babcock butted heads. It affected Mac Matthews performance. This is why this is his best season of his career. Okay. So are you going to bring in another coach that could potentially have that problem again? Because clearly you're building around Matthews. He's already one of the five best players in the league. And if you don't feel that way, then watch more hockey. Okay. What, if you're getting rid of these guys, you have to at least think about what your star player is going to think about it. I don't yep. think you need to go LeBron levels, but you can't afford to screw this thing up, bring in someone that Matthews and other players are going to hate again, and then you're all you're stuck all over again. So 
The next decision they make, whatever that decision is, is the most important decision that we've seen in the franchise in maybe a decade. And this is going to be what's interesting is because you know what star players like most? Winning. They like winning, right? Because even if they're, even if, well, yeah, but even if they're not getting their, the, if they're not getting their due, because again, we're talking star guys, right? And so star guys are going to play, but they like winning. Yes, they like being a part of the success, but that's what makes them stars as they normally are. They like to win. Do you think that if this goes, keeps going this way, this, this guy at 28 years old in his prime is going to be like, yeah, sign me back up for more of this, for more of this turnstile. I, I, but again, I, I'm not going that far. Matthews, to me, um, he was not, in my opinion, he wasn't in the, uh, so I think McDavid is like, is, is the best player in the world. Um, and I think Crosby's right there. And then, you know, you got guys like, and I think, you know, like guys like McKinnon and Dreisaitl's making a come and Hedman and, um, and, and guys like, like they're kind of in that very second, it's a second tier, but it's only a second tier because McDavid exists. I didn't McKinnon, think Matthews McKinnon was there yet. is close to being as good as McDavid. Just for yeah, it, right. But that's my point. Like it would normally be like a top, top tier, but because McDavid is McJesus, it kind of makes that the second tier, which would normally be a first tier. Um, Matthews wasn't there yet for me. He was always very, 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 very good. It was great. He was great, but he wasn't like super duper star. What he did in the series, uh, I uh, changed my entire opinion because all three I always zones, knew, all three, exactly. All three zones. He was great. I, he, yes, he, he does dick around a little bit in the neutral zone, but you know what? I don't, if, if against a team like Columbus, I know what he was trying to do. And it's tough because, like, I, and I know why, you know, having a guy like Mitch Marner on the roster is beneficial with him because they're so skilled that their wavelengths are kind of the same. Like, just like you saw with that Carolina game, how many players would know that Matthews is going to do something like that or be in the right position to receive that, that, that spinorama pass? It's just, he's, to me, that's the only real thing where I'm walking out of this, like, oh, okay, like we got, we got the guy. And, it's it's not just one player. You can't just bring in one checker and it's going to change it. You can't just bring in uh, one good defenseman and it's going to change everything. You can't just bring in two goalies to, to get. It's there's going to be some changes and it needs to be plural changes, not not Marner for um, oh god, who's he always been traded for? The kid in the kid in St. Louis, Pareko. It's not Marner for Pareko. That's not that's. That's okay. That doesn't. Although fix man, everything. I do that tomorrow. I know. Uh, it was funny. One of the ones I saw was uh, and heard. So a little game of who says no. Marner for Matthew Kachuk, straight up, no salary retention. Done. Uh, I oh. like. Look, I, I think Marner's extremely gifted. This contract. I, I know. Has, by the way, Toronto has, would not do that. Just so you know, but, they would not do that. They this Marner contract has the potential to be one of the most poisonous contracts in sports if this trend continues. And I think he's extremely gifted, but $11 million for a winger, that that size that only affects the game in one way is going to be really tricky because the one, how he affects the game in that one way better be like next level, like Ovechkin was scoring. So I, I'm holding out hope. I'm a Leaf fan. My job is to hope. Um, but the last two playoff series have been pretty jarring for me. And your major point is the right one. I think that Mitch Marner is, is, a, is a very, very good hockey player. And I, like, and I like having him on my team. 
I want Mitch Marner on my team. The thing that matters is the 11 million. And that's on Dubas. It's not the 11 million in a vacuum. No, okay? it's right now because, because the cap's probably, not going up. Yeah. Right. He's probably worth the figure. It's the 11 million in the sense of what does this limit my ability to build Absolutely. the rest of my roster? That is why the Marner thing is a problem. In a vacuum, completely makes sense. The problem is these games aren't played in a vacuum. So, the last thing I will say in terms of the problems, and then I want to play a little game with you. Okay. Um, I think an obvious, an obvious reason why this keeps happening is because Kyle Dubas has decided that he's going to build his team around one thing and one thing only, and that is skill. Okay. He is convinced that the way to win in the NHL is to have more skill than the other team. Again, in a vacuum, makes some sense. If you look at all, all of the Stanley Cup champions that you could think of, with the exception of maybe someone like Pittsburgh, okay, what did they all have? They had diversity. Yeah, I was, was going to say versatility. Yeah. yeah. They had big lines, small lines, big defensemen, small defensemen, multiple goalies, could play multiple ways, a distinct identity, all that stuff. Okay. That, that is something that, as you said, is not one move away. We're multiple moves away. We're multiple moves away from being having a diverse and versatile roster because, unfortunately, this is the hand now that, that he's dealt. And unless he's ready and willing to make changes of epic, epic proportions, then we're looking at this the same thing all again next year because – this roster is not versatile enough to succeed. And the only way then to improve the team is if someone internally makes a leap. Can yep. Sandine make a leap? Can, you know, uh, one of those, you know, one of those, uh, can a Robertson make a big difference? You know, something like that. I mean, you're, you're, you're really walking such a fine line. There's just no room for error. And you can't win a cup that way because this is what championship teams do. If it's not working, We'll can the coach. If it's not working, oh, I'll just use this guy to go get that guy. And mm-hmm. we just don't have that ability right now. Yeah. And all, by the way, there are pe- lots of people that listen to this that are not Leaf fans. Just so you know, pump the brakes. This is not like a, oh, woe is us. Uh, we just lost a game. So let's just like, we haven't had time to think about this. This team has not had dominant stretches of hockey. Stretches, like five plus games. For a year and a half, a year and a half, they haven't done this. So the only time that you can point to is two times. Like basically the first five games of the Boston series, even though they got absolutely demolished in game two. Okay. And when Keith was just hired, I watch every single Leaf game, every single one. They won a lot of games during the Keith era at the beginning. They didn't look all that great. Okay. So this isn't like we're taking this and it's just like oh well you first world problems you got guys like Matthews and Marner and Tavares and Nylander the your point about the internal yeah we can get lucky Lettinen who we just got could be good uh what's his name Barbanov I think is the guy from Russia who they just signed okay we could hit on on some of those guys and um and and then guys can get better like the Nylanders of the world the Marners of the world the Matthews that was a that was an excuse that you could use last year you can't use that this year you are we, who we, you are. You are what ha- you are what your record is. 
We had that last year. Oh, Nylander didn't miss half the season. Marner's going to get better. He's going to have his con- You don't have that anymore. That's gone. Stop that. This team isn't good enough. It's not good enough. And I love it. And I want nothing more outside of family stuff, okay? I want nothing more than a Leafs title, right? You know that. It feels great. Well, I was there with the Raptors too, but you know what I mean? Like I didn't struggle as long as you had. I kind of, I wasn't a bandwagon Raptor guy, but as you know, I was like a, basically a Piston fan until 2009. So um, again, I didn't struggle like you did from when you were 10 years ben old. Ben Gordon and Charlie Villanueva will make you that, switch allegiances. That will it. happen. That, that will, will do happen. it. And Josh Smith. Uh, and I just like, you know, again, I just, I'm a Toronto guy. Toronto guy, Toronto so, guy. Um, so let's play, but, let's yeah. play a quick game. Let's play a quick game. You're going grocery shopping. Yep. You're Kyle Dubas. You're going grocery shopping. Yeah. If you're filling your maple leaf cupboard, what does this what does this organization need? Oh, buddy, where do you start? Um, the t- the tough thing is I'm fill- I'm filling my cupboard with a pretty empty wallet, and so before I know where I'm going to be shedding salary, where I'm going to be making the adjustments who's going to be on the move, what kind of flexibility that I'm going to have. It's, it's difficult to play that game. And the bigger issue here becomes because the cap is staying flat. A lot of the teams with good players are going to be in some cap trouble as well. You're going to have now, I think that you're going to have a unique opportunity this go around to grab um, free agents that at less than market value, we're going to take less years Take uh, take a little bit, you know, have to sacrifice the money now for less years because then they can capitalize when the cap goes back up in a couple of years after they recover from COVID. But I I, I, I wish I had an answer for you. Uh, yes, I wish uh, Jacob Slavin played for our hockey team. It's not going to happen, right? So uh, Petrangelo is not coming here. He's not. So, so I, why don't I, I, I start? Don't have an answer. Why don't I start? So would you accept that Muzzin and Riley are a pretty good one-two? They're probably both number two defensemen, but if yeah, you have like them a better both, two you're doing and three. okay. Yeah. Right, but you're doing okay. If only they, would you accept, miraculously they could play together. What a freaking concept accept, that would be. Would you accept Hall and Dermott as your five and six? I would. And then Sandine as your seven, because let's see where he is, and then Marinchin hopefully never sees the ice again. Right. Like, not get injured, I mean, for the Leafs. I don't, yes. I'm, I'm not, like, morbid. So in reality, you need a three and a four. And if you believe in Sandine, maybe you need a three. So the question is, how are you going to come to get a guy like that? So you, to your point, the first Ian, thing you, you need, on my sh- you need a one first thing two, on my shopping list a, is a number three. Yeah, sorry. So you need a one, two, or a three because if you're going to take because if you get one or two, it bumps the other one down. But yes, you need a top two right-handed shot defenseman. Then well, no, you slides. need to give yourself some margin for error because if something like the Muzzin injury happens, yeah, you're true. not just completely boned. Right. right? Exactly. So the top thing on my shopping list, if I'm being dubious and I'm not trying to blow everything up, is a reasonable thing to go into the offseason saying, I need to get a good number three defenseman. It could be tricky. You'll have to dangle some people, but it's possible. Yep. Okay? It's possible. The second thing on my shopping list, I need a Frederick Anderson 2021-2022 contingency plan because you're not signing it. I need a plan with that. That's number two. And the third thing on my shopping list is 
forwards who do different things, forwards who affect the game in not just a speed and skill way. I need to diversify my roster. I don't necessarily know who the target is, but that would be the third thing on my shopping list. And in terms of priorities, that's exactly the order it should be. And I think that you need two of those players uh, at least, and they need to be able to play in the top nine. And ideally, one of them that can play in the top six. Because most likely to do all these things that you're talking about, you're going to be losing a top three player. So it's well, going to be... Depends how you feel about... Depends how you feel about Nylander. Can you well, no, he, hold on. He's, he's a top line right winger on like 50% of the hockey teams in the NHL. So find the teams that need one of those guys yeah. and say, yeah. hi, do you like a guy with cool hair? I have... So, <laughs> My my last question, and then you can. I want you to finish it off and tell us where we go from here. Okay. But my last question before you do that: Who is in a worse position, the Edmonton Oilers or the Toronto Maple Leafs? Toronto Maple Leafs. Show show your work, Connor McDavid. Period. I think as a roster, like as a roster, I I, this is I'm such a. Leafs guy as a raw I like the Leafs roster better like as you look at it it's like oh they have way more assets they can do more shit like oh yes it's objectively better it's objectively better but they don't have Connor McDavid so Montreal's in a better position it's just the way that it is you think sorry you think Edmonton's in a better position because they have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl yes that's why okay so with that in mind with that in mind okay uh the Oilers do not yep. have their second, third, or fourth round yep. picks this year. They also don't have their second or fifth in 2021. They are paying James Neal $5.75 million through 2023, Ryan Nugent Hopkins $6 million through 2021, and they have Adam Larson at $4.16 through 2021, 2022, and... They have the Miko Koskinen wonder at yeah, 4.5 million through 2022. That is awful. That they is also, awful. They also, we're not even, we're not even getting Dreisaitl. into the Zach Cassian at 3.2 million for some reason. Oh, ridiculous. Right? Yeah. Like, look, like, look, I, I don't envy either of these situations. I would much rather be in the position of the Leafs than the Oilers. But do, who do we got to trust more, Ken Holland or Kyle Dubas? That's a different discussion. So there's two things really quickly. Um, Oscar Clefbaum is a great deal at 4.1 million. Love that deal. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl at 8.5 is, until 2025 is like highway robbery. I think that you can pivot quicker with Toronto because I think that just in the eyes of the league, they're probably three through nine have more value. That would be my, my guess. Now, again, this could be the Toronto we're overvaluing thing coming coming to fruition. Uh, so I think you can pivot more. But at, yeah, the team with Con- I'm picking the team with Connor and Leon. Um, before we get to a few other quick topics, and I sign us off on the Leafs. One last note on the Oilers. Chris Russell. Isn't he dead? Has a no-move clause for some reason. For uh, some reason has a no-move old, clause. How old is he? 33. Peter Shirelli should be banned from even watching hockey. Would you entertain an Austin Matthews super package? I've entertained it in my mind in the past. 
I know you have. It would have to be because what I saw from him in games three, four, and five playing in all zones was very Tazian of him. And I would need something substantial. So my deal, I say, so if I am entertaining office for Austin Matthews, right? I put my Joe Sackick hat on and I say, this was the trade for Matt Duchesne. Right, right. This is where, unless you come to me with this, I don't even answer my phone. That is the baseline, the baseline for me to consider. And if you want to get yourself in the driver's seat, we may want to talk about timesing that by one and a half, maybe two. Oh, two because for sure. He's 23 years old. At the end of the day, when has someone as talented as Austin Matthews ever been on the trade market? There's no such thing as value for that. So you say Matt Duchesne, which was Kale McCarr and like a bunch of goodies. And it's like, yeah, I want double that. And whatever that is. And I, uh, how many teams out there can even do it is the other. No, question. especially now. No, I, I just, uh, I, again, you never say anyone's off the table because any deal can be so large that it's worth it. Um, but he's the last guy. Yeah, I mean, who, he's do the last you look guy at, he's, he's the last guy that moves. But do you look at a, you know, um, oh, you don't, you don't touch him. That Ekman Larson contract is horrific. And he was bad, objectively at, bad. Yeah. And you can't look at Darcy Kemper because he's 30. I, I, I'm just not sure the, I'm not sure the move No, it's exists. like Clayton Keller, uh, Ekman Larson, and like a couple of Darcy Kemper, and, and like maybe three, Jacob Chikrin, like, I'm sorry, like unless not it's doing it. unless it's unless it's Chikrin, um, Dvorak, um, Keller's got to be in there. Keller, Kemper, like unless it's like a mega mega package like that, I'm not even entertaining. So I don't even yeah, want to play so, this game. Okay, well I wanted to ask you anyways, um, Ian. The Maple Leaf season is over. Um, a lot of disappointment. A lot of waste. Not wasted because watching the Leafs, who I love, I'll never call a waste, but. A lot of time and energy put into it. So we want to... So we what wanna... would you do now? Last thing. What would you do now? You're a Kyle Dubas. What do you do today? Today? And moving forward. Moving forward. Well, oh, today you pour yourself right. a stiff drink. But what do you do right. in the summer? Or winter, I guess. Yeah, it's going to be winter. I don't even know when they're going to come back. Buddy, if I had that answer, we'd, we wouldn't be on the podcast. We'd be the GM. We'd be in the front office. That's right. Um, and I, I need to evaluate more. So I think he waits. I don't think he does anything yet. He's got to wait. He's got to watch. He's got to see how this all plays out. We got to see what happens at the draft um, and see kind of, because there's always storylines that'll come out of these playoffs where people are going to start being available. People are going to start dropping out. There's going to be some stuff that comes up. I, 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 I would wait if I'm Dubas, but I would be looking, I, I, I forget about this. I told you if, 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 if anyone's had roles right now for me, it's Shanahan and uh he was, it, w- it would be a sad day, um, but the Leafs season is over. The Leafs talk is never over, and we will talk a lot more about it. Austin Matthews, buddy, um, we haven't always had the best things to say about Austin, but he deserves all the credit in the world for this series. So there is other hockey going on. Uh, I don't want to, th- we were going to do predictions, but as you can imagine, This went a lot longer. I'm going to read them quickly, Ian. Philly took the top spot in the East. They are playing the pesky Montreal Canadiens. 
Tampa Bay Lightning finish second. I got Montreal will, on that one. Ooh, I got Montreal on that one. They will finish. They will play Columbus. Washington will play the Islanders. Boston has Carolina, which is going to be a really fun series. Ooh, Vegas has one. Chicago. Uh, Colorado has Arizona. Dallas has Calgary. St. Louis has Vancouver. Quickly, Ian, what series are you most excited to watch? But before that, are you going to watch? Yeah, of course. Uh, Boston, Carolina. I-, I think if Carolina had consistent goaltending, like if they had, like I'm not going to go, you know, be stupid, be like if they had Carey Price. But like even if they had like a top 10 guy, um, we're Freddie talking Anderson. about, we're talking, no, no, because he'll, he'll uh, <laughs> shit the bed in a, in a, in a do or die game. Uh, but th- it, we're talking about a, a legit, legit cup contender there. Um, so I, I love that series. Uh, Colorado, Arizona, I think will be interesting. I, I'm not huge on Arizona, but I just love, I'm all in on Colorado. Um, and as much as I hate the Islanders, I think Washington, and the Islanders has the potential to be a bit of a war. Trotz is former team. I just like that. Um, you know, the, the Islanders are very structured. Uh, Washington is so diverse. And I, I just think that is the chance to be, to be great. So those are the three I'm really keying in on. So for me, it's St. Louis, Vancouver. That's the one that, I I, that I'm, I'm looking forward to watching. I think Vegas, Chicago is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so I, I, I don't mean to go like you picked three and I'm picking three others. Uh, those, I, think that one, those ones, I think that one has the, – the only thing that scared me about that one, potential. I think, you took the words right out of my mouth, 100%. has sweet potential. Vegas is loaded. And I think Philly, Montreal has sweet potential too. Um, Philly is playing out of their minds right now. They're an extremely, extremely talented team. So is Carey Price. Uh, who have an identity and are fast. They are fast. Uh, I think, I hate to say this, and I, we were, I was wrong about every prediction in the play-in, basically. Um, I think Tampa is going to crush Columbus and uh, just kind of a little bit of a revenge from last year. So I, I'm really excited. I, I, Dallas and Calgary doesn't do it for me. Dallas just plays. They're a really good hockey team, but they're just boring to watch. Um, you, you wouldn't think they would be with Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan, but it's their defense and their goalie that, that really carries them through. So St. Louis, Vancouver is my answer. That's, that's the one I'm most excited for. Let's do quickly, because we'll do some different prediction stuff later when we get to the second and third round. Who's your early Stanley Cup final prediction, Ian? That's so mean. Um, because I am with you know, a bunch of the guys on Twitter this year that, that think it's going to be someone, someone wonky. Um, you know, you know me, I can't quit Colorado, but you know, if we're talking someone wonky, you know, it, it, I have a feeling it could, it could honestly go like Carolina, Arizona, like it could go somewhere like just absurd, you know, it's going to take who gets hot. I don't know that I have a Stanley Cup prediction right now. I think, I, you know, I know it's a cop-out, but I kind of want to see what the teams look like in the first round. Um, it's hard not to like, obviously, how Philly's playing. But I like the teams that are that have an identity but are diverse. So I like the teams like Washington, Boston, um, St. Louis, Colorado. I like those teams. So those are the teams that I would be focusing on. But do not sleep on Carolina. Uh, I'm going to go Colorado-Tampa. Uh, barring Hedman is healthy. I know Stammer's not back. If that yet. is, if that's the Stanley Cup, if that's Stanley Cup final, Dubis isn't changing his plan because those are two skill teams, very high skill teams, but very diverse. Can play multiple ways, and we'll see. 
we'll see. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for that. Normally, I when the playoffs and the Leafs are out, which happens quite often, as we know, Ian, it's tough for me. For, for the second round, it's tougher for me to get into. Once we get to the third round, I absolutely dive all in. So my guess is I'll be more highlight guy and keyed in on basketball for the first round, and then I'm really going to dive in in the second and third round. So I'm excited for that. But I'll throw it to Colorado-Tampa. I know it's a bit chalky. Tampa, has, it's got, they got a weird stinker on their team a little bit, and obviously Hedman not being there and Stammer not being there is tough. I do not think them losing Hedman is any type of Ewing theory potential. But that's what I'm going to go with. Uh, speaking of basketball, we got, uh, we got a few minutes here, Ian. The Toronto Raptors are set. They are finishing second. Did you watch the Milwaukee game tonight? Uh, I recorded it. I got through first three quarters. So you got um, through so the Matt Thomas heat check. Balling. He, see, he sees Kyle Korver. He's like, You're, that's who I want to be. So he's Kyle Korver got hot. Matt Thomas got hot. It was it was a good day for uh, for sharpshooters. Um, so the so they are locked into the two seed. Milwaukee mm-hmm. is locked into the one seed. Still a bit of a battle. I think Boston's gonna be pretty pretty uh, comfortable in that three seed. But four five still a little bit of a battle because obviously T J Warren decided to become like you know uh, like George, George Gervin. Gervin. Ah wow. Um, Actually, he's more Alex English, but they're playing the Brooklyn Nets who coming into this might have had to field you and I. What are your early thoughts on playing the Brooklyn Nets in the first round of the playoffs? Well, first of all, uh, Brooklyn's been on my hit list for a while. From, you know, from the Masai Ujiri, you know, the F Brooklyn, uh, F Brooklyn from, I think, 2014. And look, like, they're on my hit list. So we got Washington. you know, we got to make sure we get Brooklyn now. And and look, I, I mean, I, I think Karis LeVert is a baller. I think that, you know, he doesn't get enough credit for how well he's playing for Brooklyn right now. And, you know, he's going to be a problem for Toronto. You know, he's now we have multiple guys to throw at him, obviously. Um, the but biggest thing, guard. though. And, yeah, bigger guard. Yeah, bigger guard. You know, he's complicated. But I think the where we're going to win this series, where we're going to win this series is with our guard play. And they don't, they simply do not have the guards to keep up with Van Bleet Lowry with that duo, you know? So to me, that is going to be where we're going to live and die. And I think honestly, Van Bleet and Lowry have both been so spectacular in the, in the bubble games that, you know, that's sort of where you got to ride anyway. So that's sort of where I'm looking. Um, I love how Siakam's been playing. Norman Powell's starting to get into it a little bit. That guy sees the Bucks and is his freaking eyes turn red. He just starts gunning. Um, I like where we are. I like where we are. I like that Nurse is, you know, you know, trying a little Chris Boucher, trying a little Matt Thomas, a little Terrence Davis. Because if something happens and one of those guys, he said today, he's going to play seven guys. And if one of those seven guys falls out of the rotation, you need someone who's going to come in and be ready. So I have to think that, you know, they're going to handle Brooklyn with the Raptors. You can never take anything for granted, though. Um, last year aside so we'll see what happens but i i feel confident about it oh i'm very confident um just double check boston is locked into the three seed four games up on both miami and indiana who i who are right. playing they were playing when we started they played, they played this tonight I didn't see yeah they did they did play who won that game uh they are currently playing right now miami's winning by 20 so in boston fourth quarter boston is very 
dangerous. I think that the team, the team right now that is so much in flux is obviously the Philadelphia 76ers. Ben Simmons out for the season. Uh, Embiid has got an ailment right now. Um, we don't know how that's going to look. And if we, you know, we're talking about long, I think Boston would crush them. I think they're so well coached. Those two wings and Tatum and Brown are so good. It doesn't even matter that Walker is, is in and out of the lineup. Um, Boston scares me a little bit, not going to lie. But if you're talking about a team whose long-term outlook is freaking bleak, and I texted you this today, it's the Philadelphia 76ers. That situation is very much no bueno. because leaf, Didn't you say it was Leafian? They, the 76ers remind me so much, remind me so much of the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's crazy. They're uber talented, but they are poorly managed and their roster makes no sense. No sense. So to yep. give you an idea, to give you an idea on what, the, what we're looking at with the 76ers, they already have committed... They have they're up they're almost at 150 million for 2020 and 2021. You know, Tobias Harris is going to make 40 million dollars in 2024. It's 40. Wild. And and Al Horford making what? 27. 28 this year, 27, 20 27 5, 27 then 26 5 player option. I have a feeling <laughs> he's picking that one up. I got a feeling he's picking that one up. Um you know, Quickly I like back to the Raptors Nets, and then I want you to get back to this because I did. Want, I really oh. am happy to have a couple minutes on other things. I don't. I, they're frisky. I, I like their coach, uh, but uh, Jacques Vaughn. I like Jacques Vaughn. He got an unfair but, shake in Orlando, but he's a pop uh, disciple. He's pop. But disciple. you know what? Um, they, they don't have the horses, uh, and tr- I think Toronto's. You know, it'd be Boston worries me because Boston, Boston worries me honestly more than Milwaukee. Oh, come on. No. I know Toronto's not scared of Milwaukee, but... Um, no, no. Boston fully scares me more. Well, that makes, that makes one of us. But Boston is, is going to be a matchup problem for Toronto. With their wings, it's going to be taxing on Siakam, both offensively and defensively. But he's just going to have to prove it. But let's not, let's not count our chickens before they hatch. I do think that the Raptors have, will, will, will beat the Brooklyn Nets in five games. My guess is we will get a podcast in before that starts. So we'll have some more talk, dive deeper into some NBA predictions for the first round of the playoffs. Um, but we just want to, obviously, we're locked in. We're ready to go there. Any other NBA storylines that are jumping out at you other than Devin Booker turning into, basically, Michael Jordan? Well... One last thing. I need to take back my Mitch Marner poisonous contract thing because that Tobias Harris contract is so bad that I there are no words for for a guy without a position to make $40 million <laughs> in 2024 is so egregious. Um, the only other bubble story, honestly, that's worth talking about, I love how the Suns are playing right now, obviously, is Luka Doncic. That dude. dude. That dude. And honestly, I think we talked about it. It was must have been off air, but we talked about it. If you had to choose between Giannis and Doncic, which way would you go? And obviously, the, the easy answer is, is Giannis. But Doncic is making it really interesting. Really interesting. He is doing stuff at 21 that you see guys just start to figure out when they're 25, 26. He is absurd. I... I do not envy the Clippers one bit. The Clippers are a bad matchup for Dallas, but they will not be an easy out. Dallas is going to put up points, and oh man, am I excited for Doncic, Doncic Kawhi. 
Doncic is putting up numbers that all-timers put up in their best seasons. And he's 21 years old. The three-point shooting needs to come along. He's still a low 30s three-point shooter. That's yeah, got to come. 30, 33%. Yeah, it's got to it's come. It's got to come. But he has been a great story. The, the Blazers. I, what did I say? We were, we were talking about this. So I was like, well, you have to give the edge to the Pelicans because of their schedule being so trash. Yeah, they're eliminated. LOL. LOL. Uh, uh, JJJ's out for the playoffs now. So that hurts Memphis. You know, there's please, please go back to our NBA preview where you asked me who was going to get the eight seed, and I told you Portland, and you were like, "No, they're too far back." Sometimes, no, I said their schedule was too hard. Better. Sometimes your little brother knows better. What Damian Lillard is doing, and how he is, how he's going after Paul George and Pat Beverly. I love this dude. I love this dude. I can't stand the Blazers. Because their fans suck. I lived there for four years. Their fans stink. But that dude. I just hope the Spurs Spurs don't ruin it. You know, the the Suns, I don't think. There's still a game and a half. Phoenix Blazers Uh, is what we all need. That's what we all need in the plan. It's not going to be that. It's going to be Phoenix. 2020 has been really bad. We deserve this. Basketball gods, we've earned this. There's only two games left. And Memphis still has a half game lead over the Blazers. So... That's going to be very, very interesting. You know, Phoenix has cut it. They're one game back of Memphis. There's two games left. Incredible um, story. Incredible. Incredible. Spurs got the Rockets. The Blazers play Dallas tomorrow. Phoenix plays Philly tomorrow. And then I believe they close it out. Yeah, Dallas plays Phoenix in their last game. San Antonio plays Utah. And Portland has the Nets. So you got to think, you got to think with the way the Blazers are going right now, with Brooklyn already in, that the Blazers are going to be one of those teams. Can Memphis hang on? It's going to be very, very, very interesting. Close. And, and I I'm think, excited. by the way, you mentioned Booker. The Booker resurgence is extremely interesting to me because, or the, the Booker unveiling is very interesting to me because they passed on Luka Doncic to take DeAndre Ayton because yep. they had Devin Booker and they felt like Booker and Doncic would be redundant. For two years, they looked like idiots because of Doncic's development. But if this is the player that Devin Booker is, the versatile scorer, you know, good ball handler, can, can run a top-tier NBA offense, then that is completely defensible to me, passing on Doncic because you already had Booker. You know it's not? Marvin Bagley. Nope. Or Trey Young. <laughs> or Trey Young. Um, well, this, uh, this was sad. This was exciting. I hope, um, I, uh, we don't have Leafs hockey on anymore, Ian. And, uh, and we don't have a Leafs lose podcast. Why don't you sign everyone off? I think that the Leafs as an organization got what they deserved for the product that they put on the ice all season. The people that I feel bad for are the fans this fan base is the most tortured fan base in sports and yes i am a leaf fan but i am not like other members of my family where if they lose i'm up all night stressing about how they lost and how they're going to recover from that and i know there are many many leaf fans out there who are struggling with that all the time and just so you know you all deserve better demand that your organization puts a better product on the ice and gives a shit all the time. You deserve better. 
Wear your mask, everybody. We love you. Thanks, everyone, for listening.